Welcome to the February episodes of Deconstructing Gaslighting, the podcast. The theme this month is love. Yes, I know. Way to think outside the box, Sarah. And yet, this isn't going to be your typical month of hyping up romance as the most important thing. This is going to be a month of unpacking a few of the top ways I see the topic of love and gaslighting intersecting. And we're going to start it off with an amazing colleague that I'm becoming fast friends with. Not that long ago, she put up a post on social media that read, embracing your authentic self without fear of rejection can be accomplished when you stop rejecting yourself first. Can you relate to that statement at all? No, I can. (laughs) I messaged her immediately and I said, this, this is what I want to talk about on the pod. Me, I'm Sarah Morales, the host of this podcast. And if you want to be in the know about special deals on my programs, new things I'm launching, conferences I'll be speaking at, and lots of other helpful information and tools, sign up for my newsletter by visiting my website, sarahmoralescoaching.com. My guest today is Amy Woolsey. Amy is a certified betrayal trauma life coach and brain spotting practitioner. She has helped hundreds of people reclaim their lives after abuse, betrayal, and or divorce using her extensive experience and holistic approach to healing the heart, mind, and body. Having personally experienced the heartache and upheaval of betrayal and divorce, Amy empathizes deeply with the pain and turmoil these life circumstances can create. Through her transformative coaching style, she empowers women to navigate their challenging journeys with strength, confidence, tools, and unwavering support. There are multiple resources available created by Amy. I'll have the links in the show notes, alongside opportunities for both group and private coaching. Amy is the co-host of the Choose to Be podcast, creator and host of the Empowered Divorce podcast, is affiliated with Safe Space and creator of her signature program, Believing in You, Divorce 101, and Intimacy Within. Welcome to the show, Amy. Oh my gosh, thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. We're going to have so, so much fun. Much fun. I can't wait for my listeners to enjoy this episode. <laughs> so let's give my listeners a little bit of context. Since, you know, this is your first time on the pod. I had a whole, whole season and other people, but, you know, we're going to start yes. off. Season two, Starting month of February. With That's love. right. <laughs> Amy Woolsey. <laughs> Who are you? And what kind of work do you do that inspired that social media post that I just couldn't get enough of? Oh my goodness. Who am I? Okay. So for your listeners, I won't go into all of the personal who am I's. Mm. Um, but professionally speaking, I am, like you said, a betrayed trauma, abuse and divorce life coach. I'm very passionate, as you know, about what I do due to my own experience as well. But one of the things that really drives me that I see missing a lot in the work is the reconnecting to self Mm -hmm. in that that holistic way, like we talk about. And, you know, you're always talking in your program about head, heart, gut, like Mm -hmm. lining all those things up. And, um, and I think when I'll speak for myself, my own experience and the people that I work with going through this type of betrayal, you lose a, a sense of yourself, 100%. you lose a piece of yourself. You don't even recognize yourself anymore. And I'll actually just really quickly share a personal story on that. So at one particular point when I had 
completely had a breakdown mm-hmm. my due to some um issues going on in my relationship my previous marriage i knew i needed to go home i knew i needed to get some space and I don't remember. I have zero memory still, even after all the EMDR therapy. Mm. <laughs> I cannot remember how I got on the plane. I don't remember the plane ride. I don't remember anything but waking up about three days later in my parents' house. Wow. But the story goes, according to my parents, is that when they went to pick me up at the airport, I was sitting on a bench and they had walked by for maybe 30 minutes trying to find me and they didn't recognize me. Oh, wow. What? Yeah. Wow. I had changed not only internally, but externally. And I mean, I, I had, you know, head hanging low. Yeah. They, they just didn't recognize me. And my dad's not an, an emotional person, but um, I do, I do recollect looking up at him and his eyes bugging out. Mm-hmm. And saying, oh God, he broke my daughter. Mm-hmm. And then wow. I wake up three days later. So wow. point being, <laughs> you really can lose so many parts of yourself yeah. in this yeah. in this journey. Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. I know for me, you know, as as a person who really kind of trailblazed with this gaslighting stuff. I was doing a lot of this work on my own, right? Which is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about what I do because I don't want people to have to have it take them as many years as it took me, right? Like, no, we didn't have all this. We're creating programs from the stuff that we went through to find ourselves again. And, you know, for for me, some of this finding ourselves again, it, it, it is connect. Well, for me, let me say this again. For me, like the first things I reconnected with were the big things, right? Like I'm not angry all the time. You know, I'm like, all oh, these things that I have yeah, been gaslit about. But the amazing thing was for me, because the gaslighting was so pervasive, because I had been broken down in so many different places and been become so disconnected from myself um, and what I, what I actually had be- used to believe about myself um, I remember I was driving one day and I had this epiphany. It was years after the fact. And, and I, I was slowly reclaiming more and more parts of myself. And I just had this epiphany and I was like, wait a second. I don't know what he was talking about. I'm fucking hilarious <laughs> because in my, in my first marriage, you know, he was smarter. He was a better cook. He was funnier. You know, he was, I mean, he, as the pastor, he was one that everybody loved, you know, so, so I had become less and less and believed the things that I had loved about myself less and less yeah. to where I was like, I didn't think I was funny anymore. And then I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> like, no, I'm fucking hilarious. I'm so funny. <laughs> um, no, exactly. And that's where that quote yeah. comes from is that I slowly started rejecting my voice. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a voice anymore. Mm-hmm. I started rejecting my ideas and my thoughts and my opinions yeah. about all things. Yeah. And so in all of those different ways, uh, rejecting my emotions, something yeah. has to be wrong with how I'm feeling. I shouldn't be feeling this way. Yeah. And that's how I started to get myself back <laughs> Yeah, is start to reclaim those things that I had learned to reject. Yeah. So, you know, what occurs to me, like, I think there are sometimes concepts that, are such big aha moments, like they just stick with you. And I remember for me with gaslighting, one of them was understanding that when I didn't stick up for myself, I was actually abandoning myself, mm-hmm. right? So that self-abandonment piece. And I think what's, what's just clicking right now, like in this conversation from that 
that, you know, quote or that, you know, post that you put up was this piece about the self-rejection, right? Like, I don't know that I had ever really heard it phrased that way Mm -hmm. as being an obstacle to our Mm self-love, but, but at the same time, it was this instant of, and of course, right? Like, especially because where I want to go into next with this conversation is especially because of all the ways we're taught and gaslit growing up to have these expectations and these beliefs put on us about who we're supposed to be. And of course, we're going to reject ourselves because I'm not the five foot nine, 120 pound, you know, blonde haired, you know what I mean? Like whatever we have this picture of what we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to show up in life. Like, of course, we, we have a hard time believing it that other people find us beautiful or other people love us when we're rejecting ourselves. Like, I don't, I don't think I ever thought of it like that before. So for me, how this ties into, you know, love and the concept of this month, the theme of this month is, you know, I know one of your primary things in the work that you do is that it all has to start from self-love. That's why you do this dating within thing and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And, and, and how we won't ever be able to get there if we don't undo the self-gaslighting that we don't even know that we do because it's, it's permeated like our, our pores, right? Because it's been a part of our lives for most of us since we were very young. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it also goes to, um, ultimately what we're wanting is intimacy. We're wanting connection. Mm-hmm which requires vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And then there's the paradox. You have to risk rejection in yeah. order to get that, that intimacy and um, through vulnerability. But what gets in the way is if we don't believe we're lovable, mm-hmm. then that shows up in how you are not vulnerable, mm-hmm. which then limits your ability to actually connect authentically. Yeah. So we have this goal. We have this thing in my life. I want to love and I want to be loved. Yeah. You got to love yourself first. And yeah. when you can do that and practice that, when someone that you're wanting this connection with doesn't choose into it, mm-hmm. you don't crumble to the floor. Yeah. It, you can still feel like sad. Yeah. It's hurt, hits whatever, though. right? It, yeah. But you're yeah. not crumbling. And that's, yeah, that crushed. is why I start off with, with that story is that was me crumbled. Yeah. And I, I made a promise to myself that I will never yeah. <laughs> let myself get to that point again. Yeah. So let's, let's back up and let's talk about some of the ways that maybe you and I are familiar, whether it's our own lives or things we've seen in our clients, um, of, of the reason why it's so hard, mm. right? Like even before, as you and I are both very aware, uh, betrayal, trauma, or, or being betrayed exacerbates this self-rejection, right? Like it multiplies it, but it's already there, yeah. right? So for you, what comes to mind when we think about, you know, different places where maybe you were gaslit, right? Because this is how it works with gaslighting. Um, my listeners already know I've been blacklisted for saying you can, you can self gaslight, <laughs> but I believe you can. And this is how it happens, right? Somebody else gaslights you enough about something you then it becomes your own voice in your head. And then you gaslight yourself. It doesn't ever originate with us. It originates externally, but then we internalize it. Right. Mm-hmm. So, 
you know, for me, some of the main areas that I usually think of are family of origin, religion, our culture, friend groups, that kind of a thing. What comes to mind for you as some things that maybe stick out of things that, you know, have caused you to struggle with self-rejection due to self-gaslighting? Well, everything you just said there. I mean, that was one of the first things that came to my mind is religion. Mm -hmm. Um, And the religious background that I have very much... um, provided a, the culture, I'll say, provided a platform mm-hmm. <laughs> for me to stand proudly on and self-reject mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in the mm-hmm. name of Christ. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I definitely um, can recall a lot of different ways that I did that to myself, not perfect, yeah. not good enough, um, not yeah. repentant enough, not perfect enough, mm-hmm. right? whatever that is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> name all the things. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. You know, it came to mind for me. I, I, I think I've talked about this before, but I'll definitely talk about it again. Cause I think it's so pertinent cause I, it still impacts me to this day. Um, and I think it does for the, well, the overarching theme does for the majority of women, but, but body image issues. Right. And, and for me, um, one of my, my best friends growing up was my neighbor from my backyard, um, little, little neighbor boy. And his dad was a very abusive man to his own kids, to me, um, mean, just said cruel things. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had, he, he had two nicknames for me and, um, I won't say one of them cause it's just so offensive. I don't even want to say it, mm-hmm. but the second one was Tubalard. This grown ass man <laughs> called me that. Um, and it's interesting because our self-perception, like I was a pretty happy kid for the most part, although I don't remember a lot of my childhood. Gee, I wonder why. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, you know, when I, when I grew up, I had this image of myself as a little kid. I must've been a chunky little kid, which is fine. Whatever. Running around playing soccer, all the things like I was always kind of a tomboy. I was probably chunky too. And then I found this picture of myself probably about eight years ago now of that age. And I was like thin. I was like, I don't even understand why he had that name for me, but what it did for me, like if you, if you think about things that, you know, you might call somebody as a, as a insult when they're overweight, Hey, fatto, or (laughs) I don't know what they might say. Right. Um, I don't know. I feel like tubble art is very graphic. It's very descriptive mm-hmm. and it's gross. Mm-hmm. It right. So it's emotion when you say it. Yeah. It's like equating fat with gross. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, I will still struggle and I'll, I'll think like when my partner tells me that she thinks I'm beautiful, I'll be like, does she really think that mm-hmm. like that will still pop up because I'm not like I've had a slew of injuries. Like I'm a little more overweight than I, you know, all these things. And so like that experience in my life became a self-gaslighting belief where I reject my own body. Yes. I reject my own body as beautiful. Correct. Right. Yeah. Even though somebody else that loves me is trying to tell me all these great things. I like, I re- I preemptively reject it. So then how can, if I can't see myself as beautiful. Yeah. 
how could you see me as be? I mean, to me, that's the perfect example. Perfect example and also really good indicator. Like if you're, for the listeners, if you're trying to figure out, how do I know if I'm self-rejecting? That is a great Mm -hmm. one right there is if it's hard for you to take a compliment. Yes. If it's hard for you to receive a compliment about anything about you. Yeah. If you're resisting that, then that is a great time to take a step back and go, how might I be self-rejecting first? that I can't receive that. Yeah. And I think for me too, when we go to the gaslighting point, I remember some, somebody one time, and this just became part of my coaching way I coach people now is our authentic self is never mean to ourself. Never. It's not. It's, it's not, not. It's not ever. It can't mean. be. And if you ever, like, if you have a kid, <laughs> mm-hmm. right. And you look at that little kid and mm-hmm. you watch these little Buddhas and how they mm-hmm. treat themselves. I have a granddaughter mm-hmm. and, um, she's into bellies and mm-hmm. belly buttons. <laughs> yeah. And so she wants mm-hmm. to see everyone's belly. Right? Uh-huh. And so she's always like belly. And so uh-huh. you have to lift up your shirt uh-huh. and she pokes at your belly. Uh-huh. Well, as you brought up the, the body issues, it mm-hmm. triggered that memory of mine. And that yeah. was my stomach. I had family mm-hmm. member boyfriends all comment on how my stomach is fat. Um, and I weighed 90 pounds in high school and Uh -uh. my boyfriend said Uh -uh. that I'm fat. Wow. So I've always rejected my stomach. Misogynist. Always, right? (laughs) Always rejected my stomach. So my granddaughter comes up and she wants, you know, grandma, show me your belly. What do I immediately do? No. Yeah. No, no, no. You can't see my belly. Yeah. You know, pickle. Yeah. But I love watching children explore their bodies and love their bodies. And that's what, like you're saying, authenticity or authentic self is created to do. Yeah. So, so the tie in there to the gaslighting is if my authentic self is never mean, this is a mean, critical self-rejecting voice. That means it's not my voice. Mm. Whose fucking voice is that? Because it's not mine. Right. Where did that come from? Let's let's dig that shit up and get it out. (laughs) You know, let's dig it up and get it out and identify. I remember one time one of my clients um, in my my beta group, my very first group that went through my empowerment program, like she had just such huge, she's like, that was my uncle. Like she could remember like things that, that she's been functioning with for like 20 years. And it was her uncle that said something at a family birthday, you know, family event or whatever. And it's yeah. when we identify the root source of, no, we don't have to, but it definitely is helpful. I almost feel like this could go into the takeaways, the top takeaways, but <laughs> um, it's kind of this thing where, it, you know, the first part is identifying that it's not your voice right? If that's all you can do, great. But if you can also identify, I feel like it gives it that, that much more oomph to be like, not only is it not my voice, I know whose voice it is. Yeah. So, well, I feel like that puts the piece of the puzzle together cognitively Yeah. when you can do that part. So it's that awareness. Mm -hmm. So how do we, what's that first step? It's always awareness, being aware of when we might be doing that and then aware of where that is really coming from so that you can give it the hell back. Yeah. It is not mine. That didn't come from me. I can give it back. And that's why I know where that thought came from about my stomach. Yeah. (laughs) I've identified and I have been able to give it back. Yeah. Um, But it still shows up. And I think that's also something I just want to be real about is um, when we're practicing trying to have self-love and resist self-gaslighting and Mm -hmm. self-rejection, it's a practice. Yeah. You're not going to arrive. You know what I was just thinking? It makes me think of, of... the first person that I heard talk about this was Glennon. 
And we're on we're on we're on first name basis because she's my pretend BFF. Right. <laughs> she's mine. But, you know, right? Um <laughs> But the, the, the concept of making yourself smaller, yes, I feel like that's an act of self-gaslighting self-rejection as well, right? Like, cause my, my thought process is, um, an example I often use with people to kind of teach this concept is like taking back our, our power as far as we're the only ones that get to define us. And so there's a few things that we can do within that, right? Like we go through and we, we list all of the things that we think or we believe about ourselves, And then we decide which ones do we want to keep, which ones do we want to recycle and which ones do we want to throw away? And one of the ones that I recycled is that I'm intense <laughs> because I may have been called intense a time or two in my life. <laughs> and that's why I love you. Yes. <laughs> and, but I used to try to make myself smaller because people, when they said that, meant it negatively. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, you're so intense. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I tried to make myself smaller, which then then meant my feelings were smaller and all my power was smaller. Right. And so the recycling of that was they meant it like this. I'm going to look at it. Do I actually think I'm intense? Mm -hmm. Right. Because I, I let that definition of some, somebody else of me, like inform how I moved through this world. Yeah. Talk about self-rejection and self-gaslighting. Yeah. Right. So I took a look at it. I'm like, do I think I'm intense? I'm like, mm, maybe <laughs> a little bit, but what do I think about my intensity? No, did that asshole think about my intensity? What do I think about my intensity? And I thought about it. I'm like, you know, it, it is what makes me really good at my job. Mm-hmm. It's what makes me be a really fucking good friend. It's what makes me be a good mom, a good partner. Like, you know, does it come out sideways? Sometimes yes, but it also does all these beautiful things. So now I embrace my intensity as something that I love about myself. So it's no longer a thing of self-rejection. It's now a thing of ownership because I took that power out of those other people's hands, broke that old belief about it and redefined it for myself. That is empowerment right there. And that's what I love helping women do. Yeah. Mine was tenacity. Tenacity. I had a a guy break up with me. Uh uh-uh. I swear he broke up with me because he said you are too tenacious wow I cried I was on my bed and all of a sudden I sat up and I was like wait uh-huh. and I get out my phone and I look up to nail tenacity uh-huh. and I read the definition I was like hell yeah I am tenacious yeah. that's what got me out of my abusive relationship yeah. that's why I do what I do and this is why yeah. I'm successful so same thing David just intimidated way you know way intimidated <laughs> So I feel like we've given our, you know, my listeners a few really good examples of ways, not just about our body. Cause I, d- I don't want it to be just that surface dimension, right. That, w- that we look at, I want us to look at all the areas of life, culture, friendships, jobs, religion, you know, family of origin, like where are these places? And we don't have to, again, because of my definition of gaslighting, that doesn't mean that wherever we experience it, that people were trying to break us. Like, mm-hmm. I know that example of that neighbor guy, he was an asshole and who knows what the heck was wrong with him. <laughs> but like some of the things that I took on from my family of origin weren't necessarily meant negatively. Right. Um, you know, my, the performance issues that I had weren't because of my parents saying I needed to be, you know, performance driven. Yeah. So I think we need to get creative and look at those places and be not creative. We need to be curious and look at those places. Mm -hmm. Um, but let's, let's spend just a little bit of time because a large majority of my listeners, uh, do come from a betrayal trauma background. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how that exacerbates this self-rejection and just validate and honor that for them. Yeah. I, I appreciate you holding space for that because 
first thing that comes to my mind from my personal experience is um, my my partner betrayed not only with other women, but with um, pornography. Mm -hmm. And um, I still don't have a face to that other woman. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, my womanhood, my um, ability to to be a partner in that loving relationship Mm -hmm. was under fire and under question. And I then doubted my ability to be a lover, to be um, a woman, honestly, like I, I would tell myself that my mom finally was like, stop doing this. Cause I would say, see, like that looks like a woman. I Mm -hmm. just look like a little girl that Uh, looks like a woman. And so I'm always like, Oh gosh, she's got the most beautiful curves and shapes. mm -hmm. That's womanly. Mm -hmm. I'm just like a straight board, like a boy, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, that is where I, um, can relate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and I've heard it so many, so many different ways, right? Because I think at the heart of that kind of um, self-rejection comes from the perceived rejection of your person, right? Um, And I say perceived, not, not to invalidate that, you know, the, the feeling of rejection that we had, it's, it's to honor that if they were an addict or different things, it's not, it's not always as cut and dry as with my full awareness and full in alignment with my authentic self, I reject you. Right. It's, right. It's, it has nothing to do with me. It's all about where he was at in his own it, life. That's, that whole thing. Right. <laughs> I remember one of my ladies in, in one of my groups, um, she had just had a session with her therapist and then came into group and she shared about this analogy that the the therapist gave and she drew a picture of a couch and then drew a picture like a of supposed, you know, my, my client's husband and then drew a person next to the husband and said, who is that? And my client was like, oh, that's me. And she's like, you know, that would have been anyone that married your husband. Like basically like it was a, it was a, um, like a representation of the therapy couch, basically like anybody who would have married this dude. <laughs> would have ended up where you are needing help because this isn't about you. This is about him and his issues and the way he, you know, betrayed mm-hmm. you and all of the different things. Mm-hmm. Right. Which goes mm-hmm. back to a lot of what I think we both hear too. in our clients is if I, we doubt our ability to love. Like if I, mm-hmm. I remember thinking, gosh, I couldn't love him enough to get him to change. Mm-hmm. And so going with the whole February love, yeah. I think that's a really important point to make as well is Huge. that love doesn't change either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would then in turn say, well, something's wrong with my ability to love because yeah. it won't change. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's hard, right? It's, I think we're conditioned to compare ourselves in pretty much every way that you can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not as good of a mom. I'm not as good of a, you know, I don't have as pretty hair. I don't have a stick of hair. I'm not as skinny. I don't have as big a boob as I don't have as small as whatever. Like it was, yep. it's like as constant work, we're conditioned and trained to compare. So enter betrayal trauma, mm-hmm. right? And now you've got not just, you know, a fear of the, you know, the no name, no face, like, you know, just ambiguous fear of any other woman. Now you've got a literal another person or literal like people on the screen that you now are comparing yourself with. Absolutely. That your person actually gave sexual energy to, right? Like I always like to validate for, for me, you know, the discussion around pornography and all the different ways that people talk about it. For me, it's very simple. I have sexual energy. I either direct it towards myself I direct it towards another person. I direct it towards a screen, 
right? And when I'm in an intimate partnership, I expect my person to direct their sexual energy to me, yeah. right? And so if they're directing it at a screen, that's betrayal. Right. Um, and that is now something that that is, you know, a very valid feeling and experience to compare yourself with. And then how can you compare to people that have surgery and, you know, like all of these things. And so of course that goes into the fuel of these self-rejecting things. I remember, okay. Um, not trigger warning, but like maybe graphic content warning, (laughs) but I'm going to, I'm going to say it. You can just skip 10 seconds or 30 seconds on the pod. If you don't want to hear this part, but I remember one of my clients talking about her husband, now ex-husband who had a horrendous pornography addiction. And she's like, he expects me to just like be able to be wet at like a a drop of a hat. And it's just not how a real woman works. And I was like, exactly. Right. Right? I was just like these, 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 these things that are portrayed that are just not realistic for, you know, your average human being. Um, And so again, that goes to the, I'm not enough thing, Mm -hmm. which I think to me, I know. What, what do you think about the the idea that if we could boil down self rejection to one phrase, it's "I'm not enough." It always comes back to worth and value. Mm-hmm. It always comes back. Doesn't matter what what road I take them, mm-hmm. <laughs> what rabbit hole we go down. It always comes to "I'm not enough," and I'm yeah. not in some way. So yeah, yeah. All right. So let's talk about for a second how the rejection of ourself through self-gaslighting impacts our other relationships. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I mentioned before, it will impact your ability to connect mm-hmm. in a healthy way and healthy, authentic way. Yeah. And some of the things that we've talked about, like even just that comparison, mm-hmm. uh, when we are comparing ourselves to other people, comparing ourselves of how we think we should show up in a relationship, mm-hmm. um, it's going to limit you mm-hmm. and limit your ability. When you limit your ability to love yourself, you're really limiting your capacity to love someone else. Mm-hmm. And so in a weird way, here we are showing up, trying to be everything we think they want us to be, mm-hmm. but you're not really making space for that person mm-hmm. to love that person the way that they deserve to be loved Yeah, um, either. So it, it really does impact in so many deep ways. Yeah. And I think for me, like one of the things I was thinking about when I, when I wrote that question <laughs> was <laughs> not just like in a, in a relationship, because I think, you know, so many of us are, are pretty predisposed to think about this within the context of an intimate partnership. Mm-hmm. But I think that this impacts every relationship that we have, right? Like we can't, we can't be fully present for our kids if we don't love ourselves. We're second guessing ourselves. We're comparing ourselves to super mom who, you know, like has the Pinterest lunch boxes, you know, whatever it might yeah. be, right? Like we're when we're when we're doing that, we're not fully present. Mm-mm. Right. So we can't be fully present with our kids or our friends or at our job. I mean, really this this self-love and on the other side, self-rejection piece. It's not just trite to say that's where it has to start. Mm-mm. It it truly is foundational to having the best relationships with everyone and anyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That vulnerability is so important, especially with our children. Yeah. I just had an experience with my son last night, actually. So it's interesting to bring that up. But mm. um, 
um, he wants to do some future career things. And of course, it's very similar to someone else in my life. That mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I'm showing up with fear and he was feeling, um, yeah, he was mm-hmm. feeling that energy for me for sure. Mm-hmm. But um, that leaning into that vulnerability was ultimately, like I said, okay, hey, I, I'm showing up this way. I recognize yeah. it. But because I because I could recognize it in myself first. Yeah. So I was aware of how I was showing up in that energy. And rather than saying something to myself in a self-gaslighting way uh-huh. to shove that down, I was able to own it, accept it, look at it, see it, and then verbalize it, communicate it. And we got to a really great conversation because yeah. of that. Yeah. So you're you're spot on. This is not romantic partner relationship. No. This is any relationship where we want to have a healthy intimacy, um, it requires you to love you first. Yeah. You know, what just occurs to me too, as we're talking is I think it's important to mention, um, that part of like really loving yourself is not rejecting the bad bits. Right. hundred percent. Like, that's what I mean. Like I, yeah, I had to accept that. Like I'm yeah. in fear. <laughs> yeah. And then, but the, the cool thing is, is like, you know, you and I on the way into my office, I'm talking about how I have many, you know, qualities or good things. Patience isn't one of them. I accept that about myself. Right. Like, but I think, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that so many of us again, and I, I think personally, I can't speak for everybody, but personally, this is where some of the religious gaslighting came in for me is that, you know, we say that we'll talk about our struggles and all of those types of things, but, but yet there's really kind of a high, again, at least there was for me, there was a hierarchy of like the super Christians mm-hmm. <laughs> versus the ones that were like struggling or whatever. Mm-hmm. And people really only talked about their struggles when they were on the other side of them in testimonies. Like, oh, Jesus, you know, yes. like Jesus delivered me from this or whatever. Yes. And I'm not, I'm not so saying he I'm did in, or I mean, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about what, what I experienced because of that was not, not seeing how, when we talk about our struggles and not just the struggles that I'm trying to conquer, you know, through God's help or whatever, but like, yo, I struggle with getting mad when I'm driving because there's so many asshole drivers in Austin, right? Like it's an ongoing thing for me, probably not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, like, because I didn't experience that there was a whole component, first of all, self-rejection, right? Like I'm only going to like, like the things that I perceive as good and attractive and lovable. I'm not going to love all of me. Therefore I can never show up as all of me in a relationship. And then what I'm doing is I'm, I'm actually robbing the other person of the experience of all of me. Yes. Hence the lack of authenticity. Yeah. And now we're not really letting someone see into us. Yeah. Right. When we break the word down intimacy into me, see, yeah, like yeah. I need to let you see all of me. And that includes all parts of the self and include yeah. the part that, um, doesn't like to be talked to in the morning for at least an hour. <laughs> That's right. That's hilarious. Don't. I haven't had a copy. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's really funny. That's actually not me. It'd be my oldest. Do not try and plan out our yeah. summer. <laughs> That's really funny. All right. Let's, um, let's shift into just talking about a few quick things. I'd love to know what were, what were, 
I don't know, one or two things that for you stands out when you think about what helped you mm-hmm. move into this place of, I'm, I'm going to credit Sonia Renee Taylor. <laughs> um, you laugh, you must know her, but did you ever listen to it? Uh-huh. The audiobook, she yep, reads yeah. it herself. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's so amazing. Yes. If y'all haven't listened to The Body Is, is Not Unquality by Sonia Renee Taylor, y'all have got to listen to it. But she coined this phrase, radical self-love. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're talking about here. Not maybe the way that she's t- talks about it in her book. It's very different. But I think that's what we're talking. We're talking about being radical. Let's be radical self-love, mm-hmm. right? What what is, is there anything that sticks out to you that was a big piece of the puzzle for you of moving more into that space? It's a really good question. Oh my gosh. So many things. If I, okay, I'm just going to go with what the first thing that comes to my mind is being able to strip away all of the things that we're talking about today, like strip Mm -hmm. away the religious piece, strip away the family origin piece, like all of the messages. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Like that, that visual of just like naked in the forest, (laughs) like Uh like, nothing. Uh I have to start from, from ground Mm -hmm. zero. It's why the Aspen tree is my favorite tree. It's that Mm -hmm. I had to burn the whole freaking forest to the ground Mm -hmm. The root system is intact. It needs mm-hmm. to regrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I have that. Yeah. So it's, um, it was that. And then connecting with my higher power, mm-hmm. not the one that I was told I should. Yeah. But connecting with my higher power and starting to see myself, how I believe higher power sees me, mm. which is whole and complete and enough just as I am mm. in that raw state. That's awesome. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. And of course, there are a lot of different things. Oh, I'm sure. There's a lot of them. I know for me, um, one of the things that that really helped me shift again, because so much of my focus at the beginning was understanding the gaslighting I had experienced in my first marriage, when it really shifted into some things for me and discovering myself and working through the fears of, if I do this self-work, what am I going to (laughs) find? Because there were so many ways that I, I wasn't allowed to fully know myself growing up. But um, again, you know, this is why Glenn and I are on first name basis, <laughs> but I'll never forget because it was transformative for me um, many years ago before she ever became popular from Untamed and all, and all the things probably more on the Love Warrior era, which is a great book too. She put up a post where the post said, stop becoming less, find those who want more. Mm. Right. And then she said in the caption, uh, she said, maybe it's not you, maybe it's them. And then she talks about how you probably are too much for some people. It's kind of this, this is honestly what it was the catalyst for me coming to peace with my intensity. Yeah. She's like, maybe you are too much for some people, but that's not about you. That's about them. You're too much is perfect mm-hmm. for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So she's like, stop trying to be less, find those who want more, find those for who you're too much is perfect. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy crap. Yeah. Like, like that was a kind of a new, a new thought for me that, that I didn't have to dumb myself down, you know, emotionally kind of, and that I, I would be able to find my people that my level was perfect for. And that's absolutely what happened. Mm-hmm. And it was freeing. It's so freeing. So freeing. That's why I have less friends. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I, but, but I'm not hustling for any of them anymore. 
And or, that's, that's yeah. the beautiful freeing part is that I, I really am who I am and yeah. I know I'm not for everybody and I'm okay that I'm not for everybody. I right? don't want to be, I tried so hard for years to be everything for everybody and I'm not yeah. doing that anymore. And it's freeing and fulfilling at the same time. Yeah. I think at first I thought I would lose and, you know, there'd be that sense of loss from not trying to be everything for everybody. Yeah. But I actually feel more fulfilled because it is that that connection with myself. I love that. It's so good. That's so good. I'm thinking, well, one last question. Let's yeah. do one last. And it's really a simple one. Is there anything else that you can think of that you would like to share with my listeners about how you can remove the self-rejecting beliefs and move into radical self-love? Um, okay. So my three self-coaching pillars are awareness acceptance and agency. Mm. And so when you are feeling stuck, when you're feeling kind of that spin where you're not quite sure, go to awareness, mm. get curious, mm -hmm. tapping into that part. And, um, like we have talked about before, and then acceptance is the release of self-judgment, the release of shame and the release mm. of blame. That's so good. And when you can do that, you are able to then accept what is about yourself, accept what is showing up. Even if it is a behavior that's acting outside your value system, mm -hmm. when we release that self-judgment, shame, or blame, you can now more clearly see it and then move into that transformative acceptance, which mm -hmm. then leads you to change the behavior, especially yeah. if it's outside your value system. But yeah. it's such a, I just, I'm always like, which pillar do I need to be in? <laughs> no, so awareness, great. acceptance, and agency. Yeah. And that can help you. That's really clear and really practical. And, and pod, what I'm going to do instead of like going into a segment of top takeaways, I'll just like take the notes from that and put it in the show notes because that's our top takeaways <laughs> right there. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think we need to add on that. I think we did a couple of great things in the middle of the pod. So, um, I think that, like, let's just end with that. That was, that was great. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. No, thank um, you. Well, as I wrap up today, uh, my podcast listeners, I wanted to let you know that if you want to understand more about the ways gaslighting has shown up in your life and robbed you of knowing yourself, loving yourself and trusting yourself, check out my and Amy's websites. We both have offerings that will help you break the hold self-gaslighting has had over you and help you step into that radical self-love. I'll have the links in the show notes. Also, would encourage you to follow me and Amy, if you don't follow us already, on your preferred social media platform. I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Sarah Morales Coaching, and I'm on TikTok as at Sassy Sarah Deconstructs. Amy is on Facebook and Instagram as Amy Woolsey and TikTok as at Amy Life Coach. And I will have the links in my show notes. So don't worry if you didn't catch all that. Mm -hmm. Amy, thank you so much. Oh my gosh. What an amazing so podcast. Thank I you. cannot wait to give this to my listeners. Uh -huh. It's going to be amazing. And thank you, my listener, for listening to today's episode. If you found it helpful and want to help me get it in the hands of more people who could benefit from it please leave a review. It really helps and subscribe. Additionally, if you can think of one person in particular who could benefit, please share it with them. And remember, you may have crashed and burned, been broken hurt, but damn it, you're a phoenix and you're rising again. Amy, I think it's time we fly. <laughs> and now Phoenix by Katrina Stone. There's no flicker, there's no flame in you. Think we're playing a game, yeah. You and I are the same and I 
Smile. You find me in the fire. 